Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. That second verse says, what, what a privilege, what a blessing, how great it would be to have his footsteps in mind and to walk with the master all the time. And it says that's talking about those who physically walked with him when he was on the earth. But the truth is, he does walk with us. You know, you listen to a song like that and, and, and some might say, well, you know, Brother Paul, the truth is I went through a storm and the Lord did not calm my storm. He did not make it go away. He did not step out and stop the winds, whether it was sickness or whether it was a difficult situation, whatever. I had to go through a trial and a storm. Amen. But I submit to you that every storm has an ending. It's not always the ending that we wanted. I have gone through storms, and on the other side of it said, well, that's not how I wanted this to end. But the the point of that song, and the point of the truth of it is, before we get into the message, I want to say this, Jesus will go with you through the storm. And if you will stay with Him, He'll stay with you. Amen. He'll never leave you and never forsake you, but He won't force Himself on you. He is an ever-present help in trouble if we call on Him. Amen. If we, if we walk with Him and we stay close to Him, and I have experienced the pain of a storm, I've experienced the loss of loved ones, I've experienced difficulties in life, and I have found that He is all I need even when I don't have what I thought I needed. Amen. He is what, he's all I need, as the song says. He is all I need. Jesus is all that I need. Amen. That's why Paul said we need to learn. We need to study. We need to get to that point where whatever state we are in, they're with to be content. Because if we have Christ, then we can be content in any state. Amen. If we have Christ, then we can be content in any state. doesn't necessarily, it's exactly what I wanted, but I can be content so long as I have Him. If I don't have Him, I've got nothing. Amen? Amen. Psalm chapter 27, it is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. I mean that. I'm excited to be in God's house. I know we've got some who aren't here, a few traveling, some away, different things like that. My wife this morning is is with her family. Her little brother's graduating high school this morning, uh, which is, let me just say publicly, dumb that they're doing the graduation on a Sunday. And I know why they do it. They do it because it's a city school, and there's a county school and all those things. It used to be on Friday, but they thought, ah, nobody does anything on Sunday anyway, because that's the way the world thinks. Amen. So she's three hours away. Uh, they're doing that this morning, being with her family. And I'm sure she's in church at her dad's church this morning, and then they'll go over. But y'all pray for them. Um, I, I do feel, I feel uncomfortable when it's just, you know, when they're not here. I mean, I mean, Link's with me, and I love having Link here, and it was, you know, it's special, just me and him, you know. He was, we were getting dressed this morning, he's like, Daddy, I'm wearing a belt, you're wearing a belt, and all that stuff, and I love all that, and that's great, but I do miss my family when they're out here, so y'all pray for them. I, I'll be going to get them 
uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, and, and y'all just pray for them. I hope the Lord will bless them where they are this morning. Amen. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, that she's in church and that my family's got a good place to go even when they're away from home. Amen. Uh, but it is good to be back here today, all the way from North Country, where we were very suddenly this week. Uh, I want to say the Lord met with us. The Lord encouraged my heart. Uh, we weren't planning to stay Friday night for church, but I, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to, so we ended up driving through the night Friday to get back yesterday. And uh, it's a good thing we stayed on Friday night. There was at least two who got saved, and that was a blessing. But Brother Tony, my uncle, every other service he preached a message I'd already heard. <laughs> Amen. He came to me and said, hopefully I'll preach something you hadn't heard. Just, I don't know, the Lord put message. I've heard him preach a lot. Uh, Friday night he preached something I don't think I'd ever heard. I mean, I've heard similar messages. But the Lord stirred my heart. He did. And in the message, as Tony was preaching, he made some statements, and the Lord began to just stir my heart with these thoughts. And I wrote just a couple things down. And, and I had been looking at Psalm 27 for weeks now. Actually, I had intended on preaching a message on uh, what verses? Verse number 10, verse number 11, together, I believe, those verses I was going to look at. Uh, but I went to it yesterday, and I was looking over it again, and the Lord took my mind in a sort of in a totally different direction with the same passage of Scripture. And if the Lord will allow me, I, I want to preach a, a few messages on this thought, uh, and that thought is the goodness of God. Because here's the truth. God has been exceptionally good to us. Amen. I mean, God has been way better to you than you deserve. He has been way better to me than I deserve. The Bible said that He has exacted less than our iniquity deserveth. And what that means is, we have not got what we deserve. If we received the recompense of all we had done, I know the world likes to think, well, one day we'll stand before God or, or whatever higher power there is, and, and hopefully the good things I did will outweigh the bad. I've got some bad news for you. Your good will never outweigh the bad. You can never do enough good to make up for what is inside your heart. The Bible says about the heart, who can know it? It's deceitful, desperately wicked, who can know it? And the world looks at it like this, well, your heart is the best part of you. It's, your, it's the good part. But the Bible says it's desperate for wickedness. It's not a good sign. That even when I'm doing good things, sometimes in my heart, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. And God's not looking at the outward man. He's looking at the inward man. If I'm going to stand before God one day and hopefully there's a scale there and I'm going to pile the good here and the bad there, I am doomed. I've got no hope. But this morning I'm here to tell you the Bible says God has exacted less than our iniquity deserveth. Which means we deserve this much punishment but God has given us much less than that. And that is good to shout about. Amen? It is good to shout and rejoice and raise a hand and sing knowing Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. Because if it was just my sin and all God ever did for us was forgive us of our sin, oh, it's way more than we deserve. It's way more than we deserve. But you know what's even more amazing than just that? God did not just spare us from the judgment and the punishment we deserve. But He has also, David said, dealt bountifully with us. That's to say that God has been good. And that that song the choir sings, sometimes God's been good in my life. Amen. The goodness of God goes far beyond my 
temporal view of life. It goes far beyond me and my wife and my children and my friends in this church and my parents and grandparents and the preaching I've heard and the good services I've been in and the provision. It goes far beyond all that. But my soul, that's enough to shout about until Jesus comes back. Just that's enough. And yet His goodness is so far above and beyond that. That throughout all of time, God has been good. Amen. From the very beginning, God has been good. He made man. Man went the wrong way to the point that the Bible said that the imagination of all men was only evil continually. And what, did, what happened? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That God showed grace on Noah and by him gave humanity another chance. And since then, he's been giving them another chance after another chance after another chance. And he's been giving you another chance and another chance. Why? God is good. He's good. Psalm chapter 27, verse number 1. We have here a psalm of David. Your Bible likely has it there, either at the beginning of verse 1 or above it in italics or something like that. A psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Verse number 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my, what's that word? Help. Amen. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruelty. Verse 13. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If anybody knew about waiting on the Lord, surely it was David. Now we know from reading this, this is being written in a time of trouble for David. He is in a day of adversity. Some would say, well, that's likely before he became king when he was running for his life from Saul. Others have said maybe it was during the days of Absalom's rebellion. But whatever it may have been, he seems to be looking over toward the city of God's people and asking God that he could dwell in the house of the Lord and that he could go to his temple. And so it seems that David has been separated from those things which he knew and he is in a season of difficulty. Amen. And it was often in those seasons of difficulty that David would sit and begin to write and praise the Lord and pray to the Lord and he would talk about who God is and how good God is. 
And in verse number 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that statement in itself says this, I am living or have lived in some days where I was not seeing the goodness of the Lord in my walk, right? In my current conversation, in my current life, looking around me, I am not in what I would call a great season of God's goodness. It is hard to see yourself in a great season of God's goodness when you are sleeping on stones and running for your life. But here's what he said. I would have fainted. I would have fainted. I would have quit. I would have fallen out if I did not believe that God is going to show me His goodness again. Amen. And David looking around at God and seeing who God is and how great God is. I mean, in verse number 1, what a wonderful statement it is that he makes where he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? What a powerful statement of faith that David has just made in the midst of an incredibly fearful position. If he is there running for his life from Saul, that is fearful. If he is running away and and watching things happen with Absalom, he's afraid for himself. He's afraid for his son. He's afraid for the kingdom. Fear would come in. And yet he said this, why would I fear? When God is my light and my salvation, that there is nobody I can fear or I should fear so long as God is on my side. Amen. We see that He is is observing the goodness of God and the simple explanation we have to say, well, how could David in such a difficult place say, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? How could he say that when obviously... He is in fearful situations. Well, I can tell you how he could say that. Because throughout his life, he has observed a very simple thing. And this is that in Psalm 106, verse number 1, it says this, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. How could David find goodness and grace and, and and a courage and fearlessness in times of trouble and adversity? Because he knew this. The Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. I think about when he was a young man, and how that he slew that bear, and he slew that lion, and how that he had seen God deliver him even as a young man. And throughout his life, over and over again, God would deliver David out of the hands of his enemies to the point that that he learned that when he would look around himself, and he would find himself in trouble, he'd say, God's going to deliver me. How do I know? Because he already has because he's done it before, because he's shown himself faithful, he's shown himself faithful, he's shown himself faithful again, that over and over that God had proved that he was good, and he said this, he said, I'd fainted if I had not, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I want to shine some light on the goodness of God this morning. I want to look at this thought, how that his courage is good. Verse number 14 Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. You see that? That word good courage, we read that. And I'm afraid sometimes, and I know that there's songs written about that. There's people quoted. It's a a commonly used scripture. It's a wonderful verse of scripture. Amen. And uh, when I had originally looked at this chapter, I thought to look at that waiting on the Lord and talking about the timing of God and different things. And the Lord changed my direction because I became focused on these words, good courage. And you don't have to, but if you, if you do go and look at that Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is kozak, which means to grab 
hold tightly. To refrain or support by grabbing hold. And when it says that, here's what it's saying. And that's kind of what courage is, right? It's something you hold on to, to get you through a difficult situation. But I will tell you this, my courage is not strong enough to hold me up. Your courage is not strong enough to hold you up. The Bible says there's none good. Our righteousness is filthy rags. The truth is, in us there dwelleth, Paul said, in me there dwelleth, what? No good thing. So when it says good courage, it's not talking about yours. It's not talking about mine. What's he say? Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And who? He shall strengthen thine heart. So when it says good courage, here's what it's saying. When we go through days of adversity and difficulty, loneliness and fear and struggles and sorrow and depression or whatever it may be, there is a good courage that we can hold tightly to. And it is the good courage of God. Because His courage is good and it is enough for you and for me. And back all the way back, he closes out his psalm with that statement, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. But really, he gives us the answer to that in verse number 1 as he starts off the chapter where he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so David shows us in the very first verse how that we can be of good courage and overcome fear. And that is that we acknowledge three things about the courage of God. First, because of His shining, I shall not be afraid. He said this, the Lord is my, what's that word? Light. You see that? The Lord is my light. In a dark place, there is nothing more comforting than when someone turns on the light. You ever watched a scary movie? And you're screaming at the TV, turn on the light. Everyone in a scary movie is dumb. No one ever thinks, well, I should flip the light switch on. I don't walk anywhere into a room without flipping the light switch on. I'm way too clumsy. I will break my neck and anybody else's who's nearby. Amen. I mean, I, I, I fall and trip and kick, and, and all, Peyton has inherited that from me. It's just the way I am. And I'll t- you know what's really creepy? Going into the church with all the lights off at night. Have y'all noticed it's creepy in a church with the lights off? Am I the only one? It's, it's creepy. But then you turn on the light, and you know what happens? Suddenly fear vanishes. I wonder why that is. Well, the Bible says that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And so it only makes sense that if God is light, and turning on the light drives away the darkness, and turning on the light drives away the fear, that is the essence of God to drive away fear. Amen. When God is on the scene, fear cannot stay. And when light comes into the room, darkness cannot stay. That's why the Bible said God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But power and love and a sound mind. Because here's the truth. When you are in a dark place, you don't have a sound mind. Amen. Because of His shining, I shall not be afraid. Isaiah chapter 60 says this in verse 19. In those days when finally we are united with the Lord in that new heaven and new earth, said, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. 
Thy sun shall no more go down, neither thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. The days of thy mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, shall be ended. Can I tell you, we go through days of mourning. Amen. I've been through days of mourning. Looking around here this morning, undoubtedly many of you have experienced the loss of loved ones, a, a parent or, or a friend or, or whoever, maybe even a child this morning, different ones. That's part of life. But one day, when we are standing in the literal presence of His light, mourning shall be ended. Gone. Amen. Right now, you could think and bring to mind thoughts of loved ones who have passed on, and, and it would cause a sense of mourning. Even, even if it is softened by time, it's still there. But one day, when we are standing in the presence of His light, that mourning will be no more. It will be gone. That He will wipe away our tears, and that His light will literally... Banish all fear, all mourning, all sorrow. I shall not fear because of His shining light. Here's what light does quickly. Light reveals our surroundings. Amen. In verse number 11, He said, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path. Lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. A plain path is one that you can see. It's a simple path. It's a known path. It's plain and it is lit. We often quote Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 18, 28. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Job 29, he said this. He said, when his candle shined upon my head and when, his light, when by his light I walked, through darkness. Light reveals our surroundings. It shows us our path. It reveals places of hidden danger. It reveals truth in moments of uncertainty when we have no clarity. It shows us the correct path to take. Amen. It does. That's what it does. What light does. Fear, let me say this, fear is almost always connected to the unknown. Fear is about not knowing what's going to happen next. When you know with certainty... Fear changes. It becomes something different. Often it is completely alleviated. But sometimes light does shine on a dangerous thing that you know you're going to have to go through, and fear may not be gone altogether, but it has changed. Because then it is still fear of, well, what's going to happen when I get there? Fear and uncertainty, they are, uh, they're, con they're conditionally linked together forever. And so what gives David courage, and what should give us courage, is this knowledge. Nothing is unknown to God. Amen. There's times when my children, I, I'll take them somewhere or through something or to a place and they're nervous. Well, what's going to happen when we get there? We're going to go to the dentist. What's going to happen when we get there? Is it going to hurt? Is it going to be bad? And I don't lie to them. Sometimes I tell them, it's probably not going to be, it's probably not going to be comfortable. It's not going to hurt. But you're not going to like it, but it'll be okay. I'm going to be there and I'll show them I've got... Fillings in these teeth right here from when I was in middle school. I got these fillings, and I had to do the same thing you did. I've been where you are. I've gone through it, and I was okay, and you're going to be okay. There is something about knowing that the one who's taking you and going through it with you knows what's going to happen, knows what's going to happen there, knows how it's going to be, and they can walk with you through it. And they can take. There's something about that. Because what light does is it, it reveals our surroundings. It shows us what's coming. And nothing is unknown to God. So when David said, the Lord is my light, here's what he said, he, he reveals my surroundings. He also releases, he reduces our suspicions. 
in Genesis 8, 21, the Bible said that the imagination of man is evil from his youth. That our mind and our hearts, you know what happens when we can't see? and we're in the dark. It's like when we walk into the church at night and it's dark. Or wherever you are, you're walking down a, a dark path or you're in a place and there's no light and you can't see, you don't know where you're going and things are unknown. What happens is the reason it's so scary is because of your imagination. When you look at a situation ahead of you and you think, I don't know what's going to happen, that's one thing. But then you start to imagine what could happen. That's when things get scary, right? You wake up in the morning and your big toe hurts and it's got a weird spot on it. You're like, oh, did I bump it on something? And then you go on WebMD. Don't go to WebMD, okay? They're going to list 50 things it could be and 30 of them are going to be horrible things. And the odds are it's probably you, you kicked the bed rail in your night and didn't know it, all right? So, you know, just when your mind doesn't know what's going to happen, that's scary. But then when you begin to imagine, I don't know about y'all, but I imagine the worst possible thing, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. I like to think I'm a positive thinking person, a glass half full kind of guy, except I'm not. My imagination is evil, and the Bible said it's evil from my youth, that it is just a bad thing and I can't trust it and I shouldn't listen to it. But here's the thing about light. When we look at that darkness and we don't know what it is, suddenly we begin to imagine the worst possible things that we could be. And we begin to suspect, well, maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe they hate me. Maybe they're over-talking about me. Maybe, maybe nobody really loves me. Maybe I'm never going to have this in my life. Or maybe I'm never going to have another good day. You think David ever thought, I'm never going to get to sleep in a comfortable bed again as he laid his head on that rock? As he laid down to go to sleep, he thought maybe Saul was going to sneak in at night and kill him while he was asleep? Imagine what's going through his mind, but here's what light does. Light reduces our suspicions because it shows us what it really is and we can stop worrying about what maybe it could be. That's what it is. I heard a story about a young boy who was uh, visiting away from home with his family and one evening he called out, Auntie, and the, the boy cried, Talk to me, I'm frightened because it's so dark. And his aunt answered from the other room and said, What good would that do? You can't see me. And then the boy replied, That doesn't matter. When you talk, it gets light. That's the courage of the light in David's heart. God did not always show up on the scene and make his struggles disappear. But when he heard the voice of God, suddenly things became light. Have you ever been in darkness and heard the voice of God in your heart? Have you ever been in a, a season of trouble and heard the peace of God in your heart? Have you ever gone to the Lord in prayer and said, God, I don't know what to do, I don't know what's going to happen. And then God said, it's going to be alright. Amen. That the peace of God that passeth understanding can dwell with us and be with us. Why? Because light reduces our suspicions because God is light. Amen. That's who He is. It reduces our suspicions. It reveals our surroundings and it reproves our sin. Because I'll tell you right now, the worst thing you could possibly do in the middle of a, of a situation and a period of adversity is have unrepented sin in your heart. The Bible says our iniquities separate us from our God. The Bible says that He resisteth the proud. The Bible, over and over again, throughout the Bible tells us that our sin makes us distant from God. In a moment of adversity and trouble, when you need courage and you need to cling to the good courage of God, here's what you don't need. Sin. Sin will drag you into trouble quicker than anything you could possibly imagine. You'll find yourself having difficulty in this life and then suddenly it is compounded by the corruption of your flesh because you will not repent from your sin. See you know what else light does? It reproves us of our sins. The Bible says very clearly in Ephesians chapter 5, let me hurry. It's a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. In verse 12 he said, verse 13, but all things that are reproved, that means they're called out for what they are, 
are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. What is going to give us light in a difficult situation? Getting the sin out. What is going to give us light in a difficult time of, of adversity? Getting the sin out. Say, Brother Paul, I want to experience that, that removal of the, of, the, of the suspicions in my life. I, I want to experience God revealing my surroundings and giving me that peace. Do you have unrepentant sin in your heart? Well, I'm just, man, I'm just going through it right now. How are you in God? Amen. It is important to know when you face adversity that you are right with God. That's where you will find joy unspeakable. That is where you will find peace that passeth understanding. It's not going to make everything suddenly magically flowers and butterflies. But I can tell you this. David knew the reason he didn't need to fear is because God was his light. And when you are filling your life with darkness, the light won't hang around. The light's not going to stay and give you peace and comfort and joy when you are separating yourself from God and choosing to walk in darkness rather than light. Amen? Amen. Because of His shining, I shall not be afraid. Because of His salvation, I shall not be afraid. Psalm 118 verse 14 says this, The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And when he said my salvation, I understand that contextually, David is talking about a physical salvation from danger, not salvation by grace through faith. Although both are God rescuing us from danger. You all understand that, right? But when David said he has become my salvation, here's what he's saying. In my life, I have experienced God rescue me from danger. Amen. Just the other day, Pop and Martha had an accident. And they're here this morning. You know how many people had an accident this last week and are not here this morning? And are not in their homes or in their churches? You know what that is? It is the saving grace of God. Amen. Before we left Friday night, we were, at the, we were having uh, something to eat with the, all of them there at the church. We were about to leave, and the pastor walked over, and he prayed with us and prayed that God would give us protection. And guess what? He did. You know what that is? That is the salvation of God. That God would, would, would protect us from danger. That He would keep us safe. That He would come into our situations, and He would be there us. Not just present, but a present help. Not every time does God deliver us completely out of any danger, but He is a great deliverer. And when David said, He has become my salvation, he's saying this, I've seen Him rescue me. Amen. The rescue and His salvation. In verse 2 and 3, He said, When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an, hell, uh, though an host should encamp me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And what? That he is my rescuing salvation. Verse 6, he said, Now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer on in the tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Why? Because he is a rescuer in salvation. Verse 12, he said, Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies. Why would he ask that? Because God is a rescuer in salvation. How many times has God reached down and rescued us? How many times has He rescued us from things we didn't even know were dangerous? As a young man, I, I almost made a horrible decision and married the wrong person. Amen. That's right. I was young once. It's weird, isn't it? I did. 
I was engaged to be married to a young woman when I was 20, something like that, 1920. We dated for over two years. We got engaged, and she was a wreck. Amen. I didn't know. A lot of stuff going on in private and secret with her that I had no idea about. Let me tell you what happened. She dumped me. Amen. And as a young man, Brother Tim, that hurt. I had all these visions and ideas of what was ahead of me, and I thought it was all going to be good. But then God began to shine the light. And when He did, I began to find out about all these horrible things that had been going on without me knowing behind my back. You know what happened? That heartbreak still hurt, but it became different. And some time passed. I don't know exactly how long it would have been there. Some time passed, and, and after a little while, on a whim, Brooke went and liked a Facebook picture of me in a Superman shirt. One like this with Superman on my chest. Silly Facebook picture. And from that, I'd known Brooke for years. We were friends. God began to work. I say we were friends. Truth is, we didn't like each other. We had been friends, and then we had stopped being friends. I didn't really care for her. She didn't really care for me. But then God began to work. And you know what happened? Sitting in church one day, a little church in Hart County where my dad pastored for 20 years, Friendship Baptist Church. I was sitting on the pew, and I don't remember what was being sang. It was before church, before preaching, you know, just, just some singing or whatever. Maybe it was just during the congregational. I don't know what was going on, but I know this. The Lord spoke to my heart. I mean, as clear as he'd been sitting right next to me, leaned over to me. And, I, and he said, you know what I rescued you out of? Brooke and I had started dating, and we had gotten engaged. Brooke and I never kissed until our wedding day. He gave me a girl who was raised in church, who loved the Lord, who wanted to be a godly woman. And I looked at what God was giving me, and I looked at what I thought I wanted. And God said, look what I rescued you out of. Amen. And I became overwhelmed. And I remember I went down to the altar and I prayed, and I just thanked God that His light and His salvation had proved themselves in my life when I was too stupid to see what was two feet in front of me. Amen. And I got up and I testified and I became overwhelmed. I remember I had my Bible in my hand and I became so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that I was wringing it in my hands. I was about to go power team and rip that thing in half or something. I don't know what was about to happen. But the Lord just overwhelmed me. And why? Because God said, look. Look what I did for you. Amen. And now here I am. 13 years we've been married. God's blessed us with three beautiful children serving the Lord in ministry. Can I tell you, my life would look nothing like this if I'd gone through with my plans. But God rescued me in His salvation, and He has become my salvation. Has He ever rescued you out of anything? Any trouble? Maybe, maybe trouble that was not of your own making. Maybe just a difficult situation. Or maybe it was a, a place where you went and you know you shouldn't have been there. And God rescued, amen, scooped down and rescued you out of it, just like He did David, amen. His salvation is that He rescues in His salvation. Then we see the rest in His salvation. If I can keep from falling over this mat, amen. Verse number 5. For in the time of trouble, it said this, He shall hide me in His pavilion. That pavilion is a sovereign place. Spurgeon described like this, he said it was a, a royal pavilion erected in the center of an army. Around it, almighty men kept guard at all hours. It was a special, sacred, and, and, and safe, sovereign place that all the guards would keep safe for the king. And he's what he said. He said, God's brought me into a place like that. 
And He has given me His salvation is a restful place. That I don't have to worry when I'm in His rest. Proverbs 18.10 said, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Then He said this. He said, In the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. That tabernacle, it is a secret and sacred place. Psalm 91.1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That, that sacred place of the tabernacle, it was a holy place that not just anyone could get to, but that God would take us into a holy place and He would give us rest. Have you ever been in a place where you felt the holiness of God? You know what happens when the holiness of God gets so heavy it would become quiet? Because men would become in awe of who God is. In His tabernacle, He give us rest. And then He said, He shall set me upon a rock, upon His rock, which is a strong place. Psalm 61, 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock, it is a solid footing. It is solid ground. And we can rest on the rock of Him as our salvation. That this, no matter what comes, God has got me. Amen. That is the rock of His rest of salvation. We see the restoration in the salvation of verse 9 and 10. He said this, Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. For thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. Verse number 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. The restoration in his salvation is this. Sometimes in life, we're missing things. Sometimes we're missing things. Sometimes it's just because that's the way God has ordained it. Sometimes it's because of decisions that people have made to leave us. Right? Verse number 11 said, When father and mother forsake me. So he said forsake. That means leave. Let's be real about the world in which we live. There are a lot of fathers and mothers who forsake their children. It's sad. But it's true. Right? Who walk away and never come back who abandoned them. There are some who are taken early in life. Amen. I was talking to a young man at the meeting this week, and we were just kind of chatting about different things, and we were eating unhealthily. Amen. And he said, yeah, since I got married, I've gained this much weight, and I need to lose some weight. And I said, yeah, I've been thinking a lot more about that now. You know, we've got kids thinking about making healthier choices. And he said, yeah, my dad, I think he said his dad died when he was 50 years old. Of a, um, I think it was a heart attack. And I thought, that's young. My dad's, he'll be 56 this year. And I just thought, you know, man, 50's young. I'm 36. My grandfather on my, my mom's side, he died in his 50s. He had an enlarged heart. And back then, they did, couldn't really deal with it. It was before, before I was born, and they didn't really have a, now there's things they can do for that and different things. And the truth is, sometimes God allows things to happen that cause vacancies in our lives. Amen. But the God of heaven has a way of restoring to us things we lack. He restores them through His own presence. Amen? He does. He does that. He restores them through His own presence. He is to us. That song I sang that mom sings, He's my rock, my, my, my friend. He's all those things. I'm poor and needy. The Lord thinks about me. He is my mother, father, or friend. That He can be anything. But you know what else happens is that God puts those things in our lives where we lack them. How many men in the church have been fathers to those who didn't have one? How many women in the church have been mothers to those who didn't have one? 
How many grandmas and grandpas have been a grandma and a grandpa to one who didn't have those things? Why? Because of God's goodness. Because God is good. Because God puts things and people in our lives to be for us what we need. Sometimes when we don't even ask for it. Sometimes we're not even looking for it. David said, when father and mother forsake me, the Lord, he said this, will take me up. It's a picture of a mom or a dad bending down and picking up a child and taking themselves. He said, when even my mother or my father would not take me up in their arms, God will. And then He will restore to me those things that I lack. He will give me those things that I need. He's my daily bread. He's my living water. Amen. He is my light. He is my restoring, rescuing, and restful salvation. And then He said this, He is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Then He said, The Lord is the strength of my life. Let's look at these last things will be done. Psalm 84.11 said this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Can you imagine anything stronger than the sun? Literally. I mean, what a picture of strength. You can't even look at it. Right? It's so bright. But he said this, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's what I was just talking about, that restoring salvation. Psalm 18, verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. That's very specific, isn't it? And he said this, And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation in my high tower. When David said, the Lord is the strength of my life, he said, because of his strength, I shall not be afraid. Why? Because David knew that in him there was no strength. It's just like when he looked at Goliath, that great big giant mountain of a man, and said, who's this Gentile dog? It's not because David thought, I'm the baddest man alive. It's because David said, is there not a cause? the God of heaven will surely deliver thee into my hand. Right? Because he understood the one thing, something that we have got to understand. God is the only strength in our lives. There have been plenty of times in my life where I have thought, I need to be strong. And I just wasn't strong enough. Times were for my wife, for my family, for my children. I think, I need to be strong. Here's the truth. My strength will fail. Even just packing my son around. Switching arms. Switching arms. Eventually I'm like, son, you're going to have to use the good legs that God gave you. You know why? Because my strength wanes. And I get tired. And I get weary. And no matter how much I want to be strength for those around me and those who love me and those I love, the truth is, my strength will fail. But his strength will never fail. His strength is so much bigger and so much better, and so much stronger than my strength. I don't know what lies ahead in your road, in your path, in your life. But I know this. God is good. And we should be of good courage and not fear what waits ahead. Why? Because His strength is enough. Amen. His strength is enough. The strength in His offenses. His offense where He said, 
lift up your heads, uh, Psalm 24, 7. Lift up your heads, ye gates, be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. In our verse there from Psalm 18, he said, He is my God and my strength. And that word God there is that word El. It is that name of God. And that name El of God, it means almighty. You know what it means? He is all might. That's what he is. All of him is strength. There's no weakness in him. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is all mighty. He is all strength. He is mighty in battle. He is the Lord. That's who he is. He's God. His strength in offense. There's nobody who can stand before him. There, <coughs> there's no one who can defeat him. No one who can stand up when he stands against them. No one who can withstand his hand. He is too big. He is too God. He is too strong. He is all mighty. His strength in offense, his strength in defenses. He said God was his rock, his fortress, his buckler, his high tower. That rock, it's a heavy, craggy stone. It's a deep part of the earth, unmovable by man's strength. That fortress is a castle, impossible to break through or even to escape. The buckler is a shield. It is a protector. That word used for buckler is also used to describe like the scales of a beast, like a crocodile. That They're there that in close proximity, Right when it's about to strike, there's something there to catch and to protect you. From the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy, it's meant to protect us in close proximity. That's that buckler. And then he said this, that high tower. You know what a high tower is? A high tower, it's a fortress that is way up high in places of dense population. It's a place of defense and protection. That from a high tower, you can see those who would seek to breach it and destroy those within. And from a high tower, they can see you. But they can't get to you. That's who God is. That even when you can see me, you can't get to me. Because God is strong in His defenses. Psalm 59, 17, Under thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Lastly, His strength we see. We will not fear because of His strength and His senses. He called God all these things, His rock, His fortress in Psalm 18, to my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, whom I will trust, my buckler. Then He said this, and the horn of my salvation. That word horn of my salvation there could be two different types of horn. And I've seen people saying that it could be either one, some saying this, some saying that. That one of those horn, that word horn could be like the horns of a great beast, right? That are strong and mighty to fling out the enemies and overcome any barrier and just to represent that strength of God. The other is the same taken from those horns that they would create horns meant for a cry, a battle cry, going into battle, or about a cry calling for help when we need help over here. Or a cry cried out in exaltation of the victory of God. It could be any of those things. And some say it's this, and some say it's that. But you know what I say? I say it's both. Because He is strong. Like a great beast that no one can stand before. But you know what else He can do? Here. His strength doesn't do us a whole lot of good if you can't hear us. Amen? Now, the Lord's never far from us. And sometimes He protects us, and He helps us, and He defeats our enemies, even more than we're not asking Him to. But the Bible's very clear. James said, sometimes you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Psalm 3, 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and He heard me out of His holy hill. Psalm 4, 3, the Lord will hear when I call unto Him. Psalm 17, 6, I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, 
O God. Psalm 55, 17, evening, morning, and at noon, will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. God hears. He hears. He is strong in His offense. He is strong in His defense, but He is strong in His senses. There is nowhere you can go where God can't hear you. I cried unto the Lord in my distress. Psalm 107 says, and He heard me. And He break my bands in sunder. And then He said, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. His goodness. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. This morning, as we stand... Ms. Brandy, if you would come on up to the piano, please, for just a minute. I, I just want to ask you a simple question. Does your heart need strength? Do you need good courage this morning? I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to give you something to help you. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.